Tabitha, thank you for being here. Um, I wanted to start off a little bit and talk about your career as an engineer. So I know everybody has a different what I want to be when I grow up um, was yours. I want to be a structural engineer. Did this happen a little bit later in life? Well, so I grew up in a very small community in downstate Illinois, and I grew up in the family business of construction. So my grandfather, post-World War II, started a construction business that my dad and my uncle eventually became partners in. So as I was growing up, every summer, I would help my dad work out in the, you know, outside with manual labor. And I loved it. I really loved construction. Mm -hmm. But I also had a fascination with math. Sure. And so coming out of high school... I kind of was looking at, do I want to go into being a math teacher? Do I want to work in the family business and construction? And I had no idea what engineering really was mm -hmm. until it was kind of exposed to me by my guidance counselor in high school. And by chance, I took a, a shot at civil engineering, and I absolutely fell in love with it and eventually kind of went down the path of structural engineering and got my master's in it. So started out in construction from a very young age. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. So, so you know, guidance counselors actually do have their well, use. They I, actually I, provided I some guidance in this case. I don't know what the success rate is, but um, <laughs> it I, worked remember for you. I remember telling my parents, I think I should be a civil engineer. And they said, what is that? And so... It literally was by chance, mm -hmm. and at the time, in the in the late 90s, there was a lot of incentives for enticing females to go into engineering, and I think the incentive was I also got a scholarship, and, you know, that was unbelievable for somebody to sure. be able to get an opportunity to get part of your college paid for as, a, as an initial effort to encourage women to enter the field. So I said, I'll try it, and I ended up actually loving it. So it worked out. And you went to Southern Illinois Yes, yeah, Southern University. Illinois University okay. in Carbondale, Missaluki. And then once I started my job, my first job here in Chicago, um, I had a great opportunity to get my master's after work uh, okay. for two years while I was working, and I went to IIT um, on the south side of Chicago, which was great. Excellent. So how long have you been with AISC? Um, it's been a little over 15 years 15 now. Years. Um, so I worked um, initially coming out of school for Sergeant and Lundy doing power plant design and retrofit work mm -hmm. and worked there for about three and a half years. And then I've been at AISC for a little over 15. Okay. And you're the vice president of market development now. So uh -huh. Obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but I, I know you didn't start off as the vice president. No, you worked you your know, way up. So how, how did you start off at AISC? So I, I realized when I was at Sergeant Lundy that I was learning a tremendous amount about steel. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't looking for a new job, but by chance, someone sent me a, an ad from the Chicago Tribune's career builder <laughs> website wow. that said... AISC is looking for someone in their steel solutions center. And they said, don't you know all steel? I said, that's all I do. I came in for an interview and it took a couple months and I realized that it's an awesome opportunity. So I came in here and came to AISC in December of 2004 and started working on conceptual solutions. So projects that were considering steel. Mm -hmm. And it was such early involvement. It was the complete opposite of the industrial design world where a project takes two years right. and I'm coming into conceptual solutions which are you crank them out a new one almost every week mm -hmm. and so it was the real fun and exciting part of a project um, it was very different than the detailed design and project challenges that you face on a job site and I did that for a while eventually became a regional engineer where I had an eight-state region based in Chicago mm -hmm. 
and kind of flew around meeting with architects and engineers. A lot of them I still meet in the marketplace today. And eventually um, started managing all of the regional staff and our Steel Solutions Center about 10 years ago. And ever since then was working here in the Chicago office and um, working with John Cross, who was our vice president at the time, and really learning a tremendous amount from him um, up until he retired a few years ago. Okay. Well, what was it like on your first day as a VP? Because I know you, you like you said, you took over for John. Yeah. So, so um, to say it was big shoes to fill is completely underrated um, and understated because um, John has been a legacy in the steel industry. And you have to go into a day one saying, it's okay that I'm not going to fill these shoes. Mm -hmm. And knowing that he actually wasn't going away was very reassuring as well. So there was a conscious, I think, uh, mentoring that happened between John and I for a number of years. And eventually discussions were had that he was going to retire. Mm -hmm. And so consciously working together. So there was never really a day that was like this day he's done and today you're here. It, there, there definitely wasn't a, a day that the new business card was printed, right. but it really was a, a very long and um, specific, um, concentrated mentoring process. And as I became the vice president of market development, he still was here almost another year as a vice president of special mm -hmm. projects. And because of that, he was here and as, a, as a daily asset and support for me. And he was very good about giving me the um, arm's length to be able to make decisions, but he never hesitated that when I came in and asked for assistance and feedback and just, you know, a listening ear that he was always there to kind of help out, which has been great. Sure. Um, did he give you any particularly uh, valuable advice? Oh, John has so many things that he would kind of just say off the, you know, you know, mannerisms and things he would say that we sometimes, you know, think about today as we're in challenging situations. But the biggest advice I think he gave to me years ago is he gave me and a lot of other staff a book that was by Doris Goodwin called Team of Rivals. Mm -hmm. And the book is about when Abraham Lincoln um, won the nomination for presidency in the U.S., he eventually formed his cabinet with the people that had lost, he, he, that he had beat out for the ticket. And the whole concept is anytime you're trying to build camaraderie or um, collaborate on an effort, you can't just bring your friends to the table because that's not how you succeed and do even better. But you really need to bring the people to the table that are gonna challenge you, to make you work harder. And I believe that um, is, I think, been a fabric of my success is, you know, it, all, it also goes along with the saying of you keep your friends close and your enemies closer <laughs> because you really want the feedback of the people to challenge you to help you do even better down the road. So that, that's been something he's instilled in me from day one. I understand uh, your husband is a structural engineer too. Uh -huh. um, I, I have to wonder what it's like having two structural engineers living under one roof. Well, we have three kids, twins who are in eighth grade and we have um, a second grader. And so our poor kids have to listen to <laughs> us talking shop at dinner. Uh, That's what I was wondering about. Right, right. So he's a bridge engineer with AECOM, and he's doing a big steel bridge right now that's part of the Gordie Howe Crossing, going from the U.S. into Canada, um, outside of Detroit. Uh, but sometimes he's not working on a steel bridge, and so there's bantering uh, yes. that happens. And so we feel it's a little bit of a social experiment. Our, our kids, how will they turn out? But we're all very excited right now because last weekend our kids um, registered for high school, 
And our son is going into what's called Project Lead the Way, which is an engineering track for high school students. So uh, we'll see how it goes. And our, our daughter, the other eighth grader, she uh, has zero interest and I think is rebelling. But that's good. That's good. <laughs> she might come around eventually. Yeah, Who it's knows? all right, though. She's doing great. So I understand you administer, is it uh, a baseball, softball league, um, more sports than that? Yeah, so we have, um, I live in the south suburbs of Chicago, uh, uh, kind of a bedroom community called Homewood. And Homewood, Illinois is about 23 miles due south of Chicago. And we have a sports league for the kids in the neighborhood. And when I say kids in the neighborhood, it's pretty large actually. We have around 850 kids in the league. And we have t-ball, baseball, and softball for children ages 4 to 18. And I grew up playing softball competitively, um, played travel softball, and knew that when our twins were young, uh, we wanted to coach t-ball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as soon as you start volunteering in youth sports, you realize there's it's almost impossible to get out um, because they really <laughs> need good people who are willing to help run practices and the leagues sure. and everything. And so now I've been coaching uh, my oldest daughter since she was four, and now she's nearly 14. And for the last three years, I've been president of the league. So uh, it takes a lot of moving parts to make a league run of 900 kids that kind of are coming from all imagine. over in the suburbs. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to give back. And um, the kids are super innocent, but as you know, running youth sports with parents can be a ask. challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are those co there's parents who think they're better coaches than the coaches themselves. Yeah, and everybody thinks, for uh, not everybody, some people are very insightful, but some of them think that that t-ball practice is going to lead to a MLB, you know, signing agreement or a college uh -huh. scholarship. And trying to get people just to appreciate the value of just getting the kids together to play ball is sometimes of a challenge, and it's not about the scholarship every day. Of course. So. Uh, did your kids, did you have to kind of nudge them into a little a little bit, or did they watch TV and say, oh, I have professional baseball, well, I want to play? Well, we grew up near St. Louis, and so home of the 11-time world champion St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, where? <laughs> needless to say, um, living in Chicago is tough if, with... Uh, not saying we have a lot of fan support in the Chicago area that we've grown up showing our kids a lot of Cardinal baseball. And so they had an excitement for a very young age to be able to, you know, put on their Cardinals cap and go to practice. Sure. About every three years, we were able to make it to spring training games. Not this oh, year, great. but we're very excited. Last year, the Steel Conference was yes. in St. Louis. And by chance, that Friday was opening day, so I was very excited mm -hmm. um, to take a couple coworkers and a good fabricator from High Steel. Um, we all, as he, you know, we find each other in the industry. Who else is a Cardinal fan? Ronnie Medlock at High Steel is a big sure. Cardinal fan. So Ronnie I and I Ronnie. Um, were able to go to the opening day ceremonies while we were at the Steel Day Conference. So That's pretty impressive. It was fantastic. Uh, I, I have to say, I've never been to the new stadium. I've walked by it. I've seen the Stan Musial statue. Um, I had been to the old stadium, Old uh -huh. Bush Stadium. Um, from an architectural standpoint, nothing special, but I have to say, I went to a midweek night game there. I had uh -huh. never seen a crowd as loud as I did there for a, for a professional baseball game. Yeah, Just, I, I, you know, I grew up going to the games. And when, when I was really young, you know, my parents didn't have a ton of money, but we would kind of always go to one game a year. Sure. 
And no matter what time of day, what game of the week it was, there was always a full house and mm -hmm. always a roar there. And so that's what I always attributed every baseball game was like. <laughs> and so as I got older and was traveling to see the Cardinals other places, you realize what kind of a gem that it is to you have that. You get spoiled, yeah. Right. But I would like to say in the new stadium, you have to visit. It's beautiful. Fabrication was done by Hillsdale Fabricators in St. Louis and really wonderful steel architecture. So yeah. I'm a big fan of it. Excellent. Um, okay, switching gears a little bit from baseball to running, I understand you're a runner. Um, how did you get started? Well, it's funny. So in high school, I played softball and volleyball. In college, I had some scholarship opportunities to play softball, but I kind of decided I just wanted to be a kid and go to school. Mm -hmm. So I said no to softball, went, and play, went to college, um, and coming out of... Uh, going to college and moving to Chicago for my first job, um, really realized that it was something that I missed. And I started playing with some leagues, slow pitch leagues here in Chicago, eventually played a fast pitch league, but found that your whole life changes when you get this first job. And eventually, um, right before I had kids, I met a friend who was joining a running club. Mm -hmm. And before you have kids, you think you're busy. You're not really, but somehow you think you're busy. Right. I and, remember those days. Uh, so we, I, joined, I went with her to a, a couple running club events, and she told me she's signing up for her first marathon. And I said, but you've never ran a 5K. And she says, that's okay. Hmm. Well, I eventually went and watched her run the Chicago Marathon in 2003 and realized that there were people crossing the finish line that I could not believe could complete a marathon. And I said, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. So I was 100% inspired by watching the Chicago Marathon. And next year, I towed the line and ran my first marathon that year. Wow. And then ever since then, I kind of had a marathon each year that I put on my list of my, it's kind of my personal escape um, from, you know, all the challenges that you have at home, the challenges you have at work, that you can just go find, all you need is a pair of running shoes and you can go run. Sure. And now I love, I travel for work all the time and it's a great way for me to see cities. So mm -hmm. I show up in DC for a day meeting. I can always pack my running shoes and go kind of see the monuments before my meetings and get some exercise in. And it's, it's just very therapeutic and kind of my own personal challenges for myself so excellent so how many uh, marathons have you run uh i've done 11. Okay. um i haven't done one in a few That's years 11 more than me <laughs> but this year i did what's called a ragnar which was a uh, ultra race where we there were six of us and we ran 200 miles from milwaukee or from chicago to milwaukee and so each of us had to do about 35 miles and oh, wow. so it was you know it's it's again, it's a personal uh, journey and something you can do that's completely separate from your family and your work life and the kids' commitments that are always dragging you and taking you everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of like carving out something for myself. So that's good. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah. what was it like? So after you did the first one, uh -huh. it, you didn't say, oh, I can check that off the list. You said, I can't wait to do another one of well, these. Well, no, you never say. I mean, maybe <laughs> At least not do. right then. It's kind of like I would could say comparing it to have kid, having kids. You have a kid and you're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Sometimes you have more. <laughs> that's kind of how running is for me. Is As soon as I'm done with a race, I forget about it. Don't put on running shoes for a month. Kind of like I... you forget about your kids. Right. <laughs> and then I say, well, all right, here we go. Gotcha. Okay, very good. Where? So, I mean, I have to ask outside of Chicago, what, what's been one of the more memorable um, marathon experiences? Uh, so, I went with my friend, and we did a half marathon 
in Miami Beach, which was wonderful. It was just like a weekend getaway. Uh, one time I did, and this isn't a marathon either, is we went, um, we had a conference. I think it was, yeah, it was a steel conference when it was in Phoenix, mm. maybe about 10 years ago. And the weekend after the race, or excuse me, the weekend after the conference, there was a 15-mile race in um, the county near Phoenix, and I can't think of it right now, but it was a desert run. Mm -hmm. And so we had scorpion training we had to go through, and it was the most beautiful race I've ever done in my life. Scorpion training. Yeah, but all the marathons I've done are in cities. It's on pavement. I'd really like to explore trail running more uh, because I just like the scenery. And, of course, as I get older, I don't care so much about the time. Uh, which is at first a hard realization, but I'm okay with that. So. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much for your time, Tabitha. I appreciate it. It's been a good time. Excellent.